text to pray for the word and the writing to Jesus. We thank you right now, God. We pray you, the one true God, God, and we worship you. We ask you to give revelation, give understanding of your word. You help us to understand who you are, what you are in our lives, God, what role you play in our lives, God, what role you play in our lives, God, help us to see who we are in the new world. We pray you. We thank you. We acknowledge you and we worship you. Lived in, in 
different places and just look down on you, right? On top, you have green, green. So this is where all the philosophy comes from and you can kind of comes into Corinth, right? In Corinth, we, we've learned it's like a central part of the world. It's the fourth largest city of the biblical world in that time. Fourth largest, meaning it's a center of trade. It's, a, it's the fourth largest. So when you talk about this, you're looking at it, it has a four-mile radius. There, on this side of the ocean, and on this side of the ocean. But if you cross the ocean on the bottom here, okay, I'm trying to give you like an image. If you cross here with a boat, this is what Paul says by concept of this is shipwreck, right? If you're shipwrecked, you reach the wind on the outskirts of Corinth. Everyone was almost guaranteed a shipwreck because it was so tumultuous and crazy, and, and right? That side. People would go to Corinth. You have Egypt on the bottom, you have Israel over here, you have Greece on the top, you have pretty much the whole known world at that time has access to Corinth. And they have to go to Corinth, go to the center of trade. You have all kinds of cultures, all kinds of people, all kinds of things going on in Corinth. And you also have things that people would do, like uh, if you um, bring to like cities uh, like Vegas or, or or San Francisco or other cities, right? You, you see all the cities. But close to the airport, there's always strip clubs, brothels, things like that. Because when men go out of town, or say people, generic, people go out of town, what do they do? They won't do those things in their own city because they could be recognized by faith, right? So all these people coming from all around, even if they had a wife at home, right? And they would come to Corinth, and they would go to the temple, and they would worship. I just worship and gave you the Would be their male or female, whatever you like. So you're really talking about, because you wouldn't do that in your own home when you go to another city, right? So this culture was as far as sinful, right, an ugly culture. They even had the Isthmus Games. Does anyone know what the Olympics are? Right? Modern day Olympics? Modern day Olympics are the top games, right? They're not, they don't happen in court. But there was a second race game, right? So if you put um, Olympics at the top, then you put Isthmus game, right? Next, next category. They happen in court. You know, Paul the tent maker, all the tent makers, he built tents, but he would build tents. For all the visitors that would come to the Isthmus Games, he was there in 1851. 1851, they had this Isthmus Games. They actually had Isthmus Games. So, you know, when he says, and some race for us, you know, a worldly crown, right? That's what he's using that as an example of what the Isthmus Games look like. So, he would just pretend to people come to them because there's nowhere to live if you live outside, right? So that's why he was a most profitable business you could probably get in where the admin worked, right? He started smart, he knew what he was So he's he, he building himself a business, but it's a temporary one. And it fits the culture, right? From all things to all men, kind of thing. So he's building these, and they're for the Olympic Games. I mean, you can imagine the Apostle Paul building tents 
where people are going to come and do these sinful, immoral things, right? These crazy parties for the intimate things. But he's doing it as a job. You kind of see, like, yes, you go to work, and sometimes your, your company, the company causing problems in the world more, right? And that's kind of like the, the, the battle we have. And so you see Paul in that particular situation. So you have a whole picture, okay? So this is Corinth. Now, Galatia. Go to Galatia real quick. Galatia is a little different. Galatia is on the other side. Galatia is around, you know, all the churches of Revelation? Look at Revelation, like uh, uh, Philadelphia, Smyrna, like those churches, right? Laodicea. They're all like lined right before Galatia. Which is over here. They're kind of lined right here. They all follow. So Paul made his way all the way across the sea to Galatia. Okay? Galatia has synagogues. Corinth has synagogues. So that means they had Jewish believers who were up the law of Moses in those cities. Corinth did and Galatia did. So that when Paul went to Galatia, he had a different problem. Okay? Because most of the believers there weren't necessarily Greek. They were Jews of Galatia. They were heavily ingrained in Judaism. They understood the law, the, the, the ceremony, the Sabbath, the, 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 the keeping of uh, the lampstand and offering of animals and doing sacrifices and whatnot, right? So they kept the law perfectly. So when Paul went there to preach and he converted them, this was their issue. And they still were ingrained in the law, fully dedicated to the law as Christian believers. Okay? But he had the problem, but that's a problem. You don't know that's an issue. That is an issue. Because they, what they were doing is they started in the flesh, they started in the spirit, so they were converted to become Christian. And Paul says in Galatians that they were. You start in spirit and then are now made perfect by the flesh. So what they did is they started believing in Jesus and then they were like, okay, believe in Jesus. And then they moved to this point where like now, but now you've got to do this to maintain your salvation when you're going to lose it. And they, what did they say? The law. Through the law of Moses. Be circumcised. Keep the ceremony. Keep the Sabbath. Keep it. And if you mess up, you can lose what you were given by grace. You were given freely. Okay? So we have an issue here with this, with how they're doing church. We also have an issue with how they're doing church over here in court. But they're completely opposite. And he has one solution, one very, very um, beautiful solution that I want to propose. It's the same solution. It, it really is the same solution. Because there is we much help in the sinner. Jesus is the only one with the right to be done there. Gonna mess with him. He's the one that calls him through the Bible. And when Paul says anything about it, he's saying it speaking from the spirit, inspired by God. The authoritative word of God would speak on on the nature of the therapy. So Feel free, you can judge a Pharisee, you can judge a Samaritan, and we're still in the case of judgment, nevertheless, right? Which we need to get out of. How do we do that? Realize that we all started the same place. We're all sinners. All sinners. All control the glory of God. No matter what your kids look like, no matter how you decorate the tree, it's Amen? Same 
going to go to Colossians really quick, and I want to just um, read something. Colossians 3, starting at verse 9. And it says, Lie not one to another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his feet. Okay. If, if he's, he's saying something different, this is very personal. Don't lie to each other. Okay. But put off the old man with his feet. Well, how do you put off the old man? The word here, put off, can be better translated disarm. Disarm the old man. Because you still you still live in a sinful body, right? It's still sensual. It still responds to things that are sinful, right? Sometimes we lie to cover things up to protect someone, but at the same time, mind is still sin, right? And we might have good intentions, but nevertheless, we still sin. We still have the habit of doing these things. But it's just by not being other, you disarm the old man with his feet. How do we do that? And have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge. Okay, this is tricky. Put on the new man. Put on here is not like disarm. No, it's not the opposite of disarm. It's like putting on a jacket, putting on clothes, right? It's like putting something on. Understand this it's something you don't have. If I came in here without this jacket, but let's say my brother over here came in with this jacket, he gives me this jacket. Is it my jacket? No. But if I put it on and I wear it, right? Yes, I'm wearing it, right? I'm wearing it. But since I'm wearing it, I put it on. I didn't have possession of it, but I had the opportunity to use it. It's not mine. Specific. There's a new man. Is it is it you? Is it is it you? And then you become a new you, right? That's kind of how we would understand it. But it's not talking about that. Look what it says. New, new, new important. Having put on the new man, the word man is not there. It's italicized in your Bible. It should be italicized. The is not there. Then it says. Which is renewed in knowledge. This word knowledge is the Greek word epignosis. Gnosis is where we get the word like not. No agnostic, people who just believe in God but don't know that it's right? Or, or in the in the Old Testament, John Gnostics were people who just uh, they denied that Jesus came in flesh. They denied that Jesus was the answer for salvation. They believed in the God, but they didn't believe Jesus was the set God. Completely with divine, or if he ever even came. So they were denying that. And that's why he said that he would be denied, then he will be denied, right? But that's the only way, that's the only door, Jesus. So, and it says here, in knowledge, revelation knowledge, everything means revelation, which it comes from God. Okay? So, put off and put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of him that created him. It's the knowledge of Him that allows us to put on the new man. Okay, this is something so foreign to our thinking. It's not practical. So God is not giving us a, a seven-step process to becoming like Him. Understand that. He's giving you His own identity to put on yourself. I'm him. 
um, on our leaders meeting on Saturday, we talked about this shortly and briefly, but um, we got into it and we said, okay, let's go into the story of, of the blind man, right? And we talked about the different characters in the story. You have Jesus, you have the blind man, and you might have some other people on the outskirts, right? So it's like, who are you in the story? Who are you in the story? We often say, I'm the blind man. The woman with the issue of blood, who are you in that story? Well, I'm the woman with the issue of blood, right? We often go to the to the to that position where it's like, well, and rightfully so, we have that mentality that we should go to that position. But once you become him, okay, once once you are him and he is you, right? In that story, you're not him. Why? Because you have the cross. They didn't. In the stories in the gospel, they didn't have the cross yet. But we do. So when we talk about this is our mistake, is that we always approach God from a point of, of a lack of faith by saying, I'm in need. It's, it's weird, right? To say that, well, I'm, just, I'm really in need, though. But if you have understanding, if you claim to be mature, if you claim to have Christianity, if you understand God, right? You, you need to understand the same thing. Is that you don't have need. You have actual need, yes, in reality. You have things that you need, right? But guess what? Your conversation isn't about what you need. It's about what you've been provided. That's the conversation of faith, is that we don't discuss anymore what we need. We discuss how he's provided. The more we discuss what we need, the more we depart from faith. The more we, we separate ourselves from faith. So we say, this is wrong. This is bad. This is going like this. This is going like that. We talk like that pretty often. Every one of us. And I, and I, 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 I hear people all the time, right? You hear people all the time. You're going to talk about this, right? And then you come to the other side and you're like, no, no, no. You're a believer. You're him. You are made complete in Christ. You don't become complete. You're not working for wholeness. You have it when you become a believer. You became whole the moment you believed in Jesus Christ because this is the thing. You were this broken, right? And he covered this the moment you met him. This is the territory that he covered. This is you. He came in your life and he completed your life the moment you met him. But we haven't fully realized this yet. We don't talk like this yet. This is why we don't see the miracles behind the ones that we're looking for, right? I'm telling you, through, through what God is doing here, I mean, marriages have been restored. People have been blessed in tremendous ways. They've been freed from the bondage of religion in so many different aspects and ways. They, they, don't, even, they don't even just uh, come here through the internet, through, through uh, Facebook and Instagram and all the things that we've done. If people come up to me and say, oh, like, I, I see what you're doing, keep doing it. It's been a blessing to me. I'm like, I don't even know who you are. You know what I mean? It happens. But it's him. If we understand that we're complete, stop working for it. Live it out. It's like saying, oh, I'm working for a million dollars. But no, that's not the situation we're in. I have a million dollars. Spend it right. Or say, oh, I'm working to earn this million dollars. And when it becomes a job, 
then it becomes an obligation, then it becomes religion, right? Because we're working for it. And so saying, I already have it. Do you have to? Do you have to, like, if somebody moves on, do you have to, you have to tell you to go spend it? No. So here's our issue, is that we have a problem believing that we have to really knowledge. We have the problem believing that we are completely different. And here's the two sides. One side says, I can do it on my own, relation. One side says, I can't do it. I think you require it. I'm not totally sure, but I'm not even going to try. But I still believe in God. But who's am I going to try? Corinthians. I'll believe in Jesus, but I'm still Christian. I still got to go so that would be what I do my lifestyle has always said to do. Okay, so I'm going to read some, some, some verbiage from these books. We'll start with Galatians 1 real quick. Down there. And I'm just going to kind of read through, and this is, this is one of the most uh, harsh tones you'll hear the Apostle Paul read. Okay, he's not talking to people who are committing fornication, who are sinners. He's talking to people who, who think they're blameless according to the law. Because it's Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren, he still calls them brothers, okay, which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you, and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. The typical introduction. Okay. Um, this is how he introduces himself in most of the epistles that he wrote. He says, who gave himself for our sins. So he starts with talking about that Jesus died for our sins. That he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God, our Father. So God, God's design and plan is to deliver us from the evil that's in the world. That's his will. If you think you're, the evil surrounds you and you're in a circle, his plan and will is to deliver you from that. The guarantee. Okay. Then he says this. I marvel, though, that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. So he's, now he's starting with an accusation here, okay? which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and that would pervert the gospel of Christ. So there's some, there's people out there trying to pervert it. What's the context? We're going to learn the context. What is it? But though we, Lord, and angels from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. <laughs> then he says it again, as he said before, and so I say now again, let him not preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have preached unto you, let him be accursed. He says twice. For do I now persuade men of God? Or do I now seek to preach men if I yet preach men, I should not be the servant of Christ? And he says, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For neither I received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. Okay. When he says, but by revelation, he's talking about going to the Old Testament and seeing Jesus. Okay. That's, that's, that's what it is. So we have heard of my conversation, my lifestyle, and past times in the Jesus religion. Okay. How that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, 
and I profited in the Jewish religion above many of my people in my own nation. He more fell out of the traditions of my father, but when it pleased God, he separated me from my mother's womb, called me by his grace, to rebuild his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I preferred not flesh and blood, neither when I to, to them who were free up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Okay. So who starts this this letter saying that someone's perverting me. There's people among you that are perverting that, that are perverting what you believe. Which is the gospel. They're perverting the gospel. Okay. Go to um, Galatians 3, 1. Here's the perversion of this battle. Okay. Old foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you, so he's saying, you didn't know what stupid did. It was the equivalent for English stupid. Old foolish Galatians, fool, who have bewitched you, who put a spell on us, okay, to witchcraft, that you should not obey the truth. What's the truth? Is the truth of all Moses? No. Is it morality? No, it's not morality. We're not talking about morality right now. Obey the truth. What's the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This what I this what I learned of you. Receive you the spirit by the works of the law during the faith, which are passing. Did you receive the spirit? Because you heard you could receive it in spite of the sinner. You heard you could receive it. Did you receive it because you were good? Well, did you be, were you able to become a Christian because you were good people? Or because of faith? Because in spite of yourself, God offered it to you and you can have it. Or did you earn it? That's the question. Did you earn it? This is the manipulation that you describing to us. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit and are you not made perfect by the flesh? Did you begin by faith? Justification by faith. Or did you begin by faith? Begin in the spirit. And are now manipulated by the flesh. So there's no point in our walk with God that we should ever believe that we have standing on the basis of what we do. Whether at the beginning or the middle or the end. At all times, it's always by faith that Jesus is enough. That his payment, what he did, is enough on my spot. Had he suffered so many things in vain, if it yet in vain, he therefore that ministers to the Spirit, and was miracles among you, that he by the works of the law, but during his faith. Do, do people do miracles because they praise hours, countless hours, they fasted, and they've done all these wonderful work? No, 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 no. They didn't do it because of that. They did it because of faith. Because in spite of themselves, in spite of their sin, they believe God can use them because of what Jesus did on the cross. Remember, this is the business. We're never worthy. We're never at a point where we can do enough good to attend in our lifestyle where we're perfect, sinless, and absent of mistakes. So why are we demanding that from people? Why isn't there more room for people to grow? We can put, we can answer that however we want, but guess what? There was room enough for you to grow to get to this point. And when there wasn't, you found somewhere that would accept you as you were, 
so that you could grow from where you were to where you are now. Right? Some, somewhere that would tolerate you. You would hope that you would tolerate you. Right? And our religion is tolerance. We're just going to break you to be Tolerance is subplot. That's where we're at. So, he's making this, this, this interesting conclusion. Then he says, uh, verse 10, for as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Well, he's going about them, but he's like, for it is written, curses everyone that can see it, not all things that are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for he's bringing curse to everyone that he's from tree. So we, we've done away with generational curses right in that conversation. For the believer, there's no generational curse. If you believe there is, that's why you have them. The only reason you're under a generational curse as a believer, oh, my grandpa did this, and my uncle did this, and my, you know, the only reason you are, because Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Generational curses come from who God of the devil. They come from God. Where's, where's our proof? The law. What's the law moment? Read law moment. If you continue not in all the things that are written in this book, you're cursed. In the Tower of Babel, who gave the curse? God. In the garden, who gave the curse? God. But we attributed to the devil. We attributed to the devil. Generational curses are not sin habits. What are they? They're defects in the body. Sinful habits come from your nature. Right? Because there's the law. I sin against the law. My nature sins against the law. Therefore, I earn a generational curse. What's the curse? A disease. A infirmity, something wrong with your, your functionality. If you repeat leprosy, right? That's the, the curse of leprosy. It's not the sin that got you to leprosy. So the sins that we do aren't the generational curse. Well, I sin like my father and I struggle with love. My father and I struggle with love. No, no, no. We struggle with love because we're a human being. We have to correct these in our, in our thinking. He's mentioning some of these things here, right? So we don't have a misunderstanding of the Old Testament. It's helping us interpret the Old Testament, right? That we don't be misled as believers. Because this is the thing. The Old Testament plus Christ equals what's in the New Testament. Okay, does that make sense so far? But we're at this place right now where he's having a very, very serious conversation with people who think that they're right with God because of what they do. And he's saying, he says later on, if you seek to be justified by the works of the law, you're falling from grace. You actually can only lose your salvation. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and, I, and I'll try to justify this at the end. Just so often. You can only lose your salvation when you can be behind. And here, people who are stuck in addiction, who we say are living in a simple lifestyle, they have a work mentality before they ever get there. <coughs> They think that they're right with God by what they do, or they think that they're not right with God because of what they're It's a two-sided coin, right? It's the same thing. Because of what I've done, I'm not right with God. Because of what I do, I'm right with God. It's the same thing with the other side of the coin. Right? So here's this issue. When people are in 
individual existence and we want to say, okay, they're not safe, right? They're not safe. We're not talking about them not safe because of their sin. They're, they're not safe. They talk in grace because of what? Because they think that they're right with God by what they do. So therefore, when I don't do what makes me right with God, I stay away from God and I continue to my stuff. So we're not, a, we, we, we preach against sin, but we're not sure to preach against sin in, in the sense that we're supposed to uh, disqualify you. Because we are already disqualified. Right? I don't need to remind you of that. What I'm going to tell you is that the good news of what you qualify. Not by what you do. So he's, he, he hurt, he's telling them the curse that they continue to believe in this. That I have standing with God by what I do. Here's a small example of how this works in our life. Right? We have a very, very little example. And we make a mistake. And then we stop engaging with God because of that mistake. Instead of engaging with God because of that mistake. I made a mistake. I, I, I need to become more aware of that. But instead, we make a mistake and we say, I don't really fit in with this religion. I'm sitting with the whole thing. It's just not me, right? And we kind of, I'm tired. You're tired because you're under working hours. You're tired because the things you're working for are earned. This is not a religion of demand anymore. It's a religion of supply. Oh, you need salvation? God supplied it. Oh, you need holiness? God supplied it. Oh, you need righteousness? God supplied it. Stop trying to achieve it on your own. You try to achieve it on your own, you're cursed. Because you put yourself under the law. You put yourself under the law. So we, we actually need to be weary of people with the working mentality as much as we need to be weary of a Corinthian church. But look how he does with the Corinthian church. Let's go to 51. And here's what's going to blow your mind. Totally different song. Totally different song. One, chapter one. Paul, called to be an apostle. This is chapter one, one. But Jesus Christ, through the will of God, and spoke to me, my brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified. To them that are sanctified. So, you can explain. He's talking to believers. We know he's a believer before he He still acknowledges them as believers. That's going to blow your mind. That's going to mess with our religion. Because they haven't lost, they haven't fallen from grace yet, right? Because how we fall from grace is the work mentality. That's not in this context. He says, to them that are sanctified. Sanctified means maple or made pepper. Okay? Now, if God sanctifies you, if you're sanctified, it's not an act that you did on your own. It was an act that was done to you. Being separate, you can't separate yourself. You can't make yourself open. He has to separate you. He has to make you whole. Right? Amen? In Christ Jesus, called to be saved, which just means called to be separate people. The same, sanctified uh, and saints have the same basic Greek word. With all, with all that in every place, with all that in every place, call upon the name of the Lord. 
Call upon on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. He starts off with saying, Call upon the Lord. Call upon him. Here's the base. Imagine I'm a Christian. Okay? Just came from the temple. Mess, mess with you, right? I'm telling you, mess with you. I came from the temple. Right? I come down, and Paul's delivers this letter. This letter just came in fresh, fresh for Paul, right? And we open the letter. I'm looking at this letter and Jesus, 
who shall confirm you unto the end that you may be established in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's going to confirm you to the end. He's going to hold you and solidify you and fill the gap for you until the end. What a promise. If you continue to believe in Jesus and have faith in Jesus, no matter where you're at right now, and where you're at in 10 years, where you're at in 20 years, he's always going to fill the gap. He will always fill the gap. Okay? Now you're going to say, well, well, does that mean I can do whatever I want? Let me tell you, when you have faith that you fill the gap, you will never in a million years think of just doing whatever you want. It doesn't work that way. When you're under grace, grace, him has come dominion. Not law. Okay? When you're under supply, I covered. I filled the gap. I made a difference. Right? Then him has come dominion. But what it says is there's nothing between you, between you and God, between you having a relationship with God. And you can have such confidence, no matter where you're at, where you've been, one mistake you can make to come in his presence and talk with him. Because that's your only power to overcome. Think about it. You need that access because that's the only way you can overcome is by having access to his presence after failing. I'm like grateful. Um, God is faithful, right? by whom you were called into the fellowship of the Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, as you brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, that you perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment, for it has been declared unto you of me, uh, uh, unto, unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Someone reported all this crazy stuff here. Okay. This includes when he goes into the previous seven and six and he talks about their issues with fornication and all that stuff. He, this is already understood. He already knows that as he's writing this introduction. Because he's saying, I've gotten support about all your sins, all your divisions, that's the communion, you know how it's communion? You make a party out of it. Oh, why are you red? Okay, the party, right? The Eucharist. That's how they did communion. That's why he said, don't take it unworthy. Don't, we're not here to make a part of that communion. It's the body and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Right? So, and again, communion is the thing, right? It's his righteousness. I'm relying on his righteousness to have closeness with him. Right? And I'm relying on his kingdom for most of you, and then my family. None of me, all of him. None of me, all of him. So I'm going to jump to um, um, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved in the power of God. Why is it foolish? Because here's the thing: man says if you if you do if you work harder, you'll get more. So man says. When you're a kid, you're well behaved and you get good. You do good, you get good. You got a puppy? Let me have a puppy. Come on, do a flip. I'll give you a treat. Come on. Which I do with the cat that doesn't work, right? <laughs> it's not as really possible. So. But one cat do flip. You, know, you make them do a flip, right? Right? You know, throw their head around. Um, but that's how 
we work. We work on a system, an ecosystem of new shit that's slowly reaping. Call it whatever you want. Call it, really call it whatever you want. But this is how the world works. Put it in the ground. You put up the work to the system and you go to the tree. Right? If you do good, you get the benefit of doing good behaviors. Right? By going to school, they get paid, and I'm not an opportunity for scholarship. I get scholarship, and I'm paying $2,000 for free money to go to college, right? The reward is doing good, right? That's how the world works. Here's God. Here's the thing with God. It's He's not that way. He's the opposite. Where you've done no good, but He provides for you. Anyway. You've sown bad, but you do good. Why? Is it just because he wants to? Because he's what you're sending him to us? No. Because guess what? When you so bad, he reaches the bad. And when you so good, he reaches the good. He calls you. It's unfair, right? That we're all sinners because of that. Right? This is the honest. It's unfair. Because Adam and Eve and we're all sinners. It ain't that something. Right? But here's the same unfairness that if I have faith in Jesus Christ, then I'm righteous apart from my The same way I'm a sinner without my behavior is the same way I'm righteous without my It's an identity that I'm given. It's a, it's a million dollars. So that when I'm in a situation where my morality is tested, I can call upon God, stepping on my path. Help me be more in this situation. Help me have integrity in this situation because I can't do it. It's not in me to do it. It's not in me to do it. So the goal is still the same, but how we get there cannot be through a work mentality. It has to be done through faith and trust. The righteous shall live by faith. The only way I maintain a right standing in God is by faith. That means in spite of how I feel about what I've done, If I have to, if I'm, if I, 
if I think it is me, that's my problem. That's why you're frustrated. That's why you're depressed. That's why you're tired. Because it's about me. What do I have to do? What do I have to accomplish? What is you no? Know, it becomes about us, right? Instead of what what he's already done. So the wrap up here. Uh, go to the church. You know what, actually, uh, 26. Do you see your calling, brethren? Have there not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble or cold? Well, why? But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things that are mighty, and the base things of this world, the things which are despised. Have God chosen, yea, the things which are not the things and not the things that are, that no flesh should glory in So here's the, here's the kicker. I'm not here trying to become a better version of myself. And you guys know my quote, I know. I'm not here to become a better version of myself. Because if I become a better version of myself, I'm going to pass myself on back. You know the I'm Be proud of yourself. Pat yourself on the back, right? Don't go in 2018, right? You know, kind of like all those things. Instead of like having things, if it had not been for Jesus, I wouldn't be one of them. And I'm at where I'm at because of Jesus, right? So his end goal is to get us all to a place of not all the glory and Then he says this, but of him, Jesus. Are ye in Christ's child? Of whom God, sorry, who of God is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, be that glorious let him dwell in the Lord. If you have anything to be proud of, be proud of what God has done in your life and how God has kept you, and how God has made you righteous, and how God has given If you can become righteous on your own, then it's natural. Right? So it's a natural process. But if he gives you righteousness, it's divine. It's divine. It means if you're made righteous from something divine, So we're righteous. All of us in this room who have faith in Jesus Christ. If he died, very resurrected, right? He's repented. He's been baptized in you. And filled with the Spirit. We have standing with God, right? And it's divine. Nothing you did can get you in. Nothing you do can take you away. Except for the one little quote that Paul says, thinking you can hurt it. Because all these, all these are nouns. Righteousness is a noun. What's the noun? It's a person face the thing, right? Okay. It means you can't, it's not a verb. It's not something you do. Righteousness isn't something you do. It's something that you are by faith. Wisdom. Oh, we, um, you know, but, um, uh, I can't say his name right now, but it's the fourth friend of Joe, uh, Elie. 
and Joseph Springer in that story. And he said, I, I prefer to let Dave, that's naturally, that Eliezer was the youngest. But he's the one that fixed the whole situation. He's the one that fixed everything, right? Because it was divine. He had divine wisdom. It was from heaven that he didn't earn. It came from God that was outside of himself. So that when the situation was resolved, that God got off his way. You can't get divine help by earthly means. Right? Fitness comes from working out, help comes from the Lord. Amen? So we have to understand that we perceive from faith. And I talked about this, we start with everything we need. But we're taught the opposite. So work for everything that we want that we need from God. Instead of working from a place, right? Our labor of love. Our love is what? Remember, Paul says it. I can give so much grace that I need more abundantly than everyone. Yet not I, but the grace of God is in me. So this is the simplicity of it. You're given a purpose. And in any situation, you can call upon him and hope. Work on your path. Go do it. God, I don't have the strength to go to work. He'll do it for you. He'll, he'll wake you up. And he will go to work in your body. It's kind of crazy. Do people need to be that alive? Are we still trapped in this idea that some old dead figure? Do we still have a different amount of painting, right? All fast. Do we still have that religious image of God? Or do we actually believe really he's alive in that? That this is his body, this is his life, that I belong to him. I'm not alive anymore. So I don't have to worry. Because when I come across need, and I come across situations, when I come across poverty, I'm him in that situation. Jesus is in you. Jesus is in me. I'm him, he's me. If he's in you, then you are me and not you. Amen? We're one. So let's not hurt each other. Let's surrender to the nature. This is why it's called fruit and spirit. Fruit. Not a, it doesn't say it like that. Works, works of the spirit, right? It just says fruit and spirit. It's a byproduct of having Jesus that I've become more loving. But it's not me. The world doesn't need my love. It needs his love. self control the Holy Spirit, too. You know that? So it's not us not you that we're trying to be. It's submission. Surrender. The true existence of Jesus Christ in our life. That he's an actual person that lives inside me. Who makes me holy. Who makes me righteous. Who makes me complete. Where I don't have to worry. Where I don't have to frustrate myself trying so hard. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It's not so great because the plan must be greater. It must be greater because I'm him and everything works out for him. As he is in heaven, so are we in this world. As he is in heaven, so are we in this world. He's completely healthy, whole, filled, perfect body in heaven. I am that in this world. I'm not God. He lives in me. He has reigned over this body. And I tend to the world. 
I'm not supposed to be lighter or let me imitate behavior. So that's just a law moment. He used something foolish to the world that can find the light. But something that's just something that's foolish. Is it on him? Is it he would do it through me, for me, and all right? Work out your own salvation if you're in trembling. But from what? From that which God works in. Both to will and to do. He'll give you the will and the to do. That means he gave me the ability to do the right thing, even though you didn't have it yourself. None of us, all of him. That's how to get all the glory. This is what Paul says, I'm just sinning. He'd rather confess that I'm weak, I have nothing to myself, right? I'm no good. Right? He may not even be, been doing a sin in that moment. He's like, I'm no good. I have a sincere belief so that he could get more grace. Right? I'm a sinner. I'm cool with that. I'm a failure. I'm cool with that. Why? Because he's not a failure. He's a sinner. I'm not trying to fight for my dignity. I'm fighting for his dignity. For his name. For who he is in me. I'm not fighting for myself. The world teaches fight for yourself. Fight for your dignity. Fight for your life. Right? The world teaches. If someone wrongs you, take it. Offer them the second coat. Take the other side on the cheek. Right? Why? Because I mean, go ahead. Go ahead. When you feel like you want to bless somebody, and you're hesitating, just keep thinking to yourself. I'm him. So I have no left. So if I give, I'll be provided for on the back. Amen. So, so I encourage you guys. March forward. Be in all situations. It's not to do. It's not something to do. It's a faith thing. I have faith in my life. Here, I'll just quote this, and you guys can go home and tell Um Galatians 2 point. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, I live. I'm obviously alive in the body, right? Yet not I. He says, I'm alive, but yet not I. So I'm not alive. I'm physically alive, my body works, right? But I'm not alive. I'm dead. But Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So it's not faith in the Son of God. Did Jesus have a faith in you? Jesus is a person who's having faith in you. I don't even have to rely on his faith. How about that? I can rely on his faith. But everything he did, when he faced him, they were told. Stop relying on your own faith. It won't always be there. It's the faith. Definitely article. But it's the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. That's revelation. If you can take that home and embrace that, I'll change your life. If that just goes over your head, talk about it after. It is something that we all need so that my food celebrates so many times. That's why one of the, one of the stories is tell my own belief, right? 